David Shands of the Social Proof Podcast says 95% of podcasters don't make it to the 50th episode. Well, guess what? We made it. We did it. Run it up. Run it up. We did it. Welcome to the Player Development Pod, presented by Beyond the Field. When I embarked on this journey, I couldn't have imagined the support that you would give me on this podcast. I wanted to do it to kind of help people and kind of creatively express uh, things that I've learn, come to know through player development, but I did not realize that you you would support it as much as you have. And so I thank you so much. Today, we celebrate, we celebrate being in the top 5% of podcasts by answering 10 questions that you have about player development. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Ed Jones II. I am the founder of Beyond the Field Player Development and the host of this podcast, The Player Development Pod. This podcast is here to bring exposure to the player development field. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to spend time with me here on this platform. Because of you, because of you, the listener, because of you, the supporter, we made it to top 5% of podcasts because we got to episode 50, which you are listening to right now. Today's episode, I will celebrate you by answering some questions that are sent in from you. Now, since it's a celebration, I like the party, you know, um, and it ain't a party if somebody ain't giving something away. And so I have a party gift for you. Um, I've created a player development calendar outline for you. So this calendar outline, this will help you strategically plan your programming. So when I first started, I kind of was like, well, how do I do this? You know, what is this? Uh, when do I do this? A lot of this stuff became cyclical. So I created these calendars to help me uh, put down the player development program that I would do throughout the year. And it's also great because you get to go back and look at what you did um, in certain situations. So click the link in the show notes and get your copy today. This is specifically to you, the listener. I will not be putting this out on my socials. This is for the people who have listened to this podcast. So go on the show notes and get your player development scheduling assistant. All right, before we get rolling, I got a player development pod testimonial. I want to thank Ashton Larkin, who says this about the player development pod. It's been a great learning tool from someone not currently in the field. Ashton, thank you so much for your kind words. Thank you for listening, and you'll be in this field quicker than you think. All right, as mentioned earlier, today I want to thank you for listening by answering your questions you have about player development. Before we start, I just want, I'm I'm a gratitude guy, y'all. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful for you. and want to thank you again for listening and make this a top five podcast as we've reached 50 episodes. Now, before I answer your questions, I have to give a shout out to my former players. If you listen to this podcast, you know, in season one, I was highlighting a former player and I kind of fell off that. Forgive me for my inconsistencies. This is an opportunity. This is a celebration. We're 50th episode, so I want to give a shout out to my former players. Shout out to Trey Estes, a serial entrepreneur who played for me at Hightower High School. He's doing great things and is the author of this book, this book right here, 
Success Habits by Trayvon Estes. Look, I'm going to put it in the show notes. Trey, I'm so, oh man, I'm so proud of you. I got it. I'm going to read it and I'll let you know uh, what I think about it. Shout out to Ricky Thomas, who played for me at Kansas. He also is a serial entrepreneur and is crushing it in the logistics game of trucking and real estate. Ricky, I see you. Keep it going. Shout out to Peyton Party, who played for me at the University of Houston. He's currently the receivers coach for the Houston Roughnecks of the XFL. And since we're talking about the Houston Roughnecks, shout out to Alexander Myers, who played with Peyton for me at the University of Houston, who was a cornerback for the Roughnecks. And while he is playing professional football, he is the co-owner of 7AM Distribution. Shout out to my guy, Happy Man who played for me at Kansas, who after a successful playing career became a coach and won a national championship this past year at the College of San Mateo. Shout out to Linnell Bonner, who played for me at Houston, who after a record-breaking career is helping athletes with their post-career identity with Once an Athlete. And finally, shout out to my guy, BJ Hansbart, who played for me at Baylor, who is taking his encouraging message to the masses around the state of Texas. Fellas, I am so proud of y'all. Keep creating generational impact around the world. All right, let's get to these questions. Once again, thank you so much for supporting and helping us get to this milestone. So let's get started. Number one, Kelly Thomas asks, how do you get into the field? Uh, This is a question I get a lot of times about player development. How do you get into it? Uh, Kelly, I believe that you're already in the athletic department. And that's probably the best place to start. Some of the best places to start in the athletic department are compliance, academics, um, uh, sports med, equipment. I've seen uh, people from equipment transition to player development. But those are roles that you're around the players. You're communicating with the players a lot. So my advice to anyone that's listening who wants to get in player development, find one of those roles, get in the building and just build relationships with players. Do your role. Um, be great at what you do and build relationships with other professionals. If you're not in athletics or you don't desire to be in college athletics, just build relationships, help foster the goals of the head coach or athletic director in local athletic programs around you. All right. Question number two, Tommy Seawright asks, what are the skills and traits one should focus on? I have a previous podcast about this. I'll put this in the show notes. But number one, relationship building. You have to be a relationship builder. Um, You cannot succeed in this role if you're not building relationships. Uh, Number two, I mean, skill, really, I I don't want to call it skills, but attributes. You got to be a learner. And then number three, uh, you got to be flexible. But the biggest skill or trait, yeah, you said traits. So uh, relationship builder is a great trait. Um, Being a lifelong learner is a great trait. And being flexible is a great trait. I talked about that in an episode when I told coaches who they should hire for player development. Those are the three that I think help with that role. Number three, the third question is from TJ Enderbrook, who asked, how does the focus continue to be on player development when so much of the focus of sports is what can be done immediately? That is a great question. Uh, One of the things I found out in player development is, and this is unfortunate, this is an unfortunate side of college football where I have experience, is that these coaches get five-year contracts, but they really truly don't get a chance to make that five-year. That five-year contract is a two-year contract. So a coach that comes in and says, hey, I want to develop players. I want to make sure we take care of them off the field. uh, That might not happen because they could be on a hot seat soon. And so uh, what I did to kind of combat that immediacy of college athletics is 
to build deep relationships. And I know you all hear me talk about relationships, but you have to have relationships. And so in these deep relationships, I would have conversations and, and, and other things with players. And that would allow me to begin the development process with a little more uh, urgency than I would earlier in my career, because I understand that, you know, I may not have that time in front of them as far as workshops. So it's really building relationships um, and individually creating development experiences for the players because it's tough to get time on the calendar now, as you alluded to, TJ. All right, question number four, Michael Seabrook Jr. asks, do you find it challenging working with school and coaches to bring in the right people to speak to athletes? Yes. Um, and it's challenging because of social media and it's challenging because of comparison. So I am all for every speaker. There are some big time speakers that kind of, you know, um, make their way to different college, college programs, be it football is what I'm used to. So college football programs. But I've been at schools like at the University of Houston. We didn't have all the resources. You know, I've been places where I tend to cut back. So for me, I'm more in tune to save that money instead of paying for the $50,000 speaker. I would rather keep a lot of that and let's pay for speakers that are coming because I believe that there are a lot of people who have great messages around uh, athletics and great messages that can help student athletes. Uh, actually, I'm doing a, a series on it right now called Why I Love Player Development. So check that out. But it is challenging because, you know, these coaches have agents. Uh, these speakers have agents. They meet together. These coaches see, you know, a Twitter page or a viral Twitter of this speaker. So they want this speaker um, or they had this speaker at their school. So it, it can be challenging when you're doing programming to bring in speakers because I kind of like grassroots. I kind of like to study people. Uh, and, and I just haven't been fortunate to have a budget where I could bring in a $50,000 speaker. I, I don't even if I had that budget, I would use that money in a different way, probably hire someone else for that $50,000. Um, but yeah, it, it can be challenging uh, from the role. I've had people, uh, I've put out a summer program and have, have had them checked off for uh, bigger people or sexier um, speakers, if that makes sense. All right, question number five, Shee Patel asks, how can player development help impact seniors, juniors on the verge of declaring for the draft or returning? Um, this is a really good question uh, because if they're dra – once you hear the word draft or draftable, there are players that tend to just focus tunnel vision on the draft. Um, I've been fortunate in my career to have players who have been drafted and who have been selected who do care about their personal development, so I've been blessed. But one of the things that uh, programs I had uh, beginning – and it's just, once again, it goes back to the last question. It was kind of tough to get off the ground – was a transitional program where we would take all the draft eligible players and the seniors and just talk to them about life, right? About their transition that's coming up. So a lot of them are going to think the league, okay, you're transitioning either way. So you want to talk about league finances, finances, finances. Uh, you want to talk about mock interviews because they're interviewing. And when you go to the combine in these places, you're interviewing. And so we kind of took it from a football or a league uh, programming, you know, uh, overlay and really hone in on the skills that will help them no matter what transition they have. Um, so player development does help in that. You can just, what I would do, Sheev, is is use uh, whatever they're putting their efforts towards. And I wouldn't say, hey, you need to focus on this. I would just, let's say if they're talking about money, let's talk about money. If they're talking about, you know, 
cars or houses they're going to buy. Let's talk about real estate. Let's talk about purchases. Let's talk about those things, but let's talk about it from a player development aspect um, to help them with their next um, level. Hopefully that answers your question. Question number six, Gregory Bennett asks, what are some ways to get started in the sports field without any prior sports experience? That is a great question. Um, I, that is not my experience. But what I would do is, you know, as you ask this question here, people need help in the sports field. So you, if we're just talking general, people need help. I would volunteer at camps. I would volunteer at games. I would get around people. People need help. Find ways to volunteer. And, and you may have to do this on the side of your full time job, um, but you got to get around those places. There are tons of opportunity um, to work game days, to work. Uh, camps to work events in your town like I, I live in Kansas City the drafts coming right World Cups coming there's a lot of people need volunteers bowl games bowl games need, need volunteers so that's what I would do I would reach out and see the help that's needed uh, not only with the sports teams but those sports experiences or sports events that would be in your local area question number seven Sonia Robinson asks is it possible to have athletes create community for themselves absolutely i literally saw this at kansas i have an episode called the best initiative i've ever um, had in this role and we created committees and these committees these players got together and they the committees were social justice uh, community impact career development and player wellness and in the span of six months they did 19 programs for their own team and so they built a community uh, of leadership through that. Now, if you're talking about a community to strengthen each other and help each other, it can happen as well. Um, one thing I think uh, that I kind of disagree sometimes with college football is that there's a feeling that they always have to be in the building. If we keep them in the building, we keep them safe. If we keep them in the building, we, you know, they're not going to make bad choices. There's no uh, data to that from my experience. I think when you allow them to go out and allow them to to be with their teammates, the community can be built. One thing we did is we did a big brother program where we kind of, you know, not necessarily the word manipulate. I don't want it to sound negative, but we kind of created that community, that mentorship aspect uh, through our veteran players and our newcomers. Question number eight, Emily Smith asks, what are ways you have found to stay relevant and new when trying to reach student athletes? <laughs> uh I stay myself. I'm just me. Right. Um, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to go get Jays. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to get Balenciagas. I'm not going to be the guy that's going to listen to the latest rap song or figure out this. I'm myself. And there are some things that they do that interest me. But um, I stay relevant because I'm just true. I think people always appreciate real, genuine people. And that's been my experience. I've had players that, man, coach, I appreciate you for being you. I'm a corny guy. I'm a goofy guy. They like that. They like I stay relevant because the one thing that is relevant over time is real. And so that's how I stay relevant. Yeah, there, there's different things. Like one thing I had to realize they like to do FaceTime. So I, I had to, you know, I'm a big get on the phone and talk, but, you know, FaceTime. So I, there are some things I do budge on. Like, you know what, if this is going to help them, I'll do it. But you stay relevant just by being yourself and then asking them. I ask a lot. What would be the best way to communicate with you? What do y'all like? What's the best food that y'all want at this event? You know, if we go to the movies, what movies do y'all want to watch? When I have an opportunity to ask them questions and, and help them uh, tell me what they would like, I do that too. That's a good question. Thank you, Emily. Question number nine, Kobe Deshaun asks, how has NIL changed or impacted the role of professionals within the player development field? 
this is something I wish I would have wrote about, but I saw it come with NIL. I felt that NIL would push player development back a little bit um, because it dealt with recruiting. And so at the end of the day, if I'm going in a coach's office and I say, hey, coach, we got this incredible summer programming um, that will help our players. I can talk to the moms about this in the recruiting trip. Or somebody says, hey, we got an NIL. Mom just wants to talk about money or dad or whoever. The family wants to talk about money or the player. Um, it's going to be hard for me to, to win that, you know, based off of player development programming. Um, so it, it's it's. The initial shock has been there where it's kind of, to me, felt like it pushed player development back. But I feel like player development will continue to rise as NIL is settled and as people realize that it's still needed. Because one of the things about NIL that I saw coming that I saw in actuality when I worked in athletics was now that players make money, people think they're adults, which I, I just like. And I mean, from the adult sake, like, oh, you making money, you're making money outside of field. You should be good. You should figure this out. You don't need this program, whatever. I disagree with that. They're still impressionable young men because I, I worked in college football, impressionable athletes for those who work with other teams. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's changed. NIL has changed. The focus is the focus. Yes, it has changed. NIL has changed the focus of a lot of athletic departments where it's about, you know, NIL compliance, NIL brand building, NIL this. You could look at the people that they're bringing in. There's a lot more NIL speakers coming in and nothing. I'm not knocking them, but you can see the focus of athletic departments changing and specifically college football, because all you see is in recruiting is is NIL deals. And, and the big thing about uh, college football is recruiting is the lifeblood. So it's affected it a little bit. I think player development, once NIL is everybody's used to it, I think player development will make its uh, rise once again. And then question number 10, Jordan Jones, who I'm not related to, asks, is college athletic academics a good path to take to ultimately be a leader in player development? Absolutely. I talked about that in question one. When you work in academics, you're around them all the time. You see their stressors. You get to, you know, you see their wins. You see their losses. You get to help them. You're mentoring them. You're helping them. That is very much like player development. Some of the greatest relationships I've had in that role, in the role of player development, has been with academic professionals. Some of the greatest transitions I've seen of people into uh, the player development space have come from academic professionals. If you need to listen to a podcast about that, please go listen to season two's podcast with Dr. Lori Robinson, who went from working in athletic uh, academics to working in player engagement in the NFL. But once again, uh, as I said in the first question, it provides you access to the players and you also get access to the coaches because, you know, academic meetings with coaches, coaches get to know you. So this uh, academics is probably the best position to be in to transition to player development. All right, here we go. Bonus question. Bonus question. Deron Willis asks, when it comes to player development, what areas do players seem to struggle with more that hinders their development? So. I think it's uh, I was at a black student athlete summit in 2020. And one of the things they kept bringing up was athlete athletic identity, excuse me, or athlete identity. And that's a big thing. So um, I'm not going to get really uh, academic here, but the breakdown of like you have these players who have played in sports their entire life and they identify as athletes. So let's say for me, like I've been big right my whole life. So it's like, oh, do you play this? Do you play that? So I can identify with that. And this is who I am. I'm an athlete and I'm always this. And this is why I have this in my mind. I should be thinking about film. I should be thinking about the game. And and there are some coaches that do. Um, uh, how do I say this? 
enhance uh, that uh, identity that people, uh, some athletes have. And so that does hinder the development because it's just like, I'm going to league my whole life. I've been told I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. I'm here just to play ball. I'm not here for nothing else, blah, blah, blah. blah. And so that hinders athletes. Um, and it's tough getting through that. Uh, and when they're that deep in it, the the fall is hard like that. It's hard. It's hard to watch. And so uh, one thing I like to do when they come on campus is start setting goals and get away from athletic goals, get to goals in their own life. Well, that's all for today. I look forward to the next podcast in which we will continue our series on why I love player development. Thank you for your continued support. I know I've said it so much, but we wouldn't have made it to the top five without you. It couldn't have happened without you. We are at 50 episodes. Milestone, baby. Pew, pew, pew. Please check out the show notes for key items. Thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with me. God bless you. Have a great day. Go out and create generational impact. Don't wait. Create that generational impact today.